Wow, so grateful for the opportunity to to just share it in, in that sentiment and that thought about worship of, of desiring God's Spirit uh, to fall fresh and to fall new on each one of us. Well, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, you may remember if you're watching the news, especially if you're watching financial news, uh, the video game store or the video game store GameStop uh, was in the news quite a bit, drew national attention. Uh, not for uh, the latest, greatest video games, but uh, because of uh, just some rumblings in the stock market. And the rumblings essentially led to an over-evaluation of the stock of GameStop. And then, of course, it went down and lots of people lost lots of money. Many say it was a really bad investment, but some are still trying to, to stay with it to hope they can recover some of their losses. Well, don't change uh, the channel. Uh, don't go to another web browser. Uh, don't start surfing uh, your Facebook account. This is not Dr. Phil's stock broker tips. However, uh, what we are going to do today is we're going to talk about a solid investment strategy. We're going to talk about what it means to invest your life boldly in the mission of God, the work of God now in the world. And let me just cut to the bottom line right away, and that is simply this. The life invested boldly in God's purposes is rewarded. The life protected, the life held on to, the life squeezed is lost. God expects us to be bold with our lives. God expects us to release and to take risks. There's, there's no faith without risk when it comes to the work of God. And God expects us to invest boldly in His work. And let's just face it, at times this can feel counterintuitive. It is really, really easy to slip into a a risk management approach to life and to hold on and become risk-averse. Now, uh, certainly there are ways and places in life to be Uh, cautious when caution is required, but sometimes we take this to an incredible extreme. For example, uh, you've probably heard some of the more interesting uh, caution labels. For example, uh, have you ever seen the label on a hairdryer that says, don't use while sleeping? Now, Pastor Brian, have you ever seen somebody blow dry their hair while they're sleeping? I mean, that's a that's a magic act I'd like to see, but I've I've never seen it. Or or the infamous uh, label on the iron, right? Don't iron your clothes while you're wearing them. Now, who in the world sees a wrinkle in their shirt and then takes the iron and tries to get it out? Or one you may be familiar with, hope you're not, but the baby stroller, caution. You know, remove baby from the stroller before folding it up. I mean, who in the world's thinking about folding up the, their baby in the baby stroller? Well, anyway, you get my drift. We go overboard when it comes to risk and being risk averse. The motivational speaker Zig Ziglar once said, it's risky when a plane leaves a runway. We just saw this this week with United Airlines, but that's what planes are designed to do. It is far riskier for a plane just to sit in the hangar and rust. It is risky for a ship to be out to sea, but that's where ships are designed to be. It's far riskier for them to stay docked in the harbor and collect barnacles. Well, the same is true of the church of Jesus Christ and the disciples of Jesus. Jesus does not want us to hunker down and avoid living boldly and avoid taking steps of faith for the sake of His work. 
Our mission is required to have faith. Our mission is supposed to require faith, which always comes with an element of perceived risk. The Lord wants us to be bold, and the Lord wants us to be sacrificial. So here's what I want us to do with the parable that uh, Pastor Brian read earlier. First, I would like to respectfully ask you to bring to mind an area of your life that you believe God may be nudging or calling you to make a deeper and bolder commitment into his work in the world. It could be your time. It could be your abilities. It could be your experience. It could be your money, your financial resources. Simply, it could be your overall life. Bring that to mind. And at the end, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to invest in the work of God. I want us to review this parable and notice four brief life investment principles that will deepen our commitment and our faith journey with the Lord. And then I want to offer you three little words today that could change your life. Three simple words that could change your life today. Let's dig in. Life investment principle number one, God is the giver of all gifts and opportunities. In the parable, the master, we'll call this person a CEO, because that's what they are in modern day life, called three servants, what we know today as employees. He called them in and entrusted them with his property as he went off on a journey. Now, this may be strange to us now, but it wasn't unusual in the time of Jesus, for if someone went away for a long time, they would entrust their property to their employees. He didn't tell them what to do with it. He didn't micromanage. The expectation, I get this, the expectation was that the employees knew him well enough to know that he wanted them to invest his money and put it to work. If we took a sum of money today down the street to a brokerage firm or online to a brokerage firm, we would not expect them just to sit on it. We would expect them to make that money work for us. Same way here. The same way with this CEO. He, he just assumed and expected them to know that, we're, that they were to put the money to work. By the way, in today's economy, one scholar suggested that the CEO entrusted them with about $2 million. Why is this important? If we believe that all of our good gifts and abilities come from us, if we believe we are the source of all of them, then we will naturally turn in and try to preserve them. But Scripture tells us that everything good that we have, everything good comes from the hand of God. And when we release it back to God, we have only given God that which has come from God's hand. And God has unlimited resources to bless and replenish his servants. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be risk averse. We don't have to hold on when it comes to investing in the work of God. Because God will always take care of his people. And get this, the more we know God, the closer we become to him in our spiritual journey, the know we'll know the mind of God. And we won't even have to be nudged or pushed to invest in his work. We won't have to be told like the employees weren't told to invest the work. They just knew. At least two of them did, right? So the big picture. God is madly in love 
with this world. And God loves it so much that God sent his one and only son to die. He gave his very best for those or that which was closest to his heart. Those. That's you and me. You see, God loves us so much, we're closest to the heart of God that he sent what mattered to him. Incredibly, his son. He sacrificed. He gave generously Jesus for us. God also, likewise, God also then has given this world that he so deeply loves, God has given this world his church. God has given this world you and me as his disciples. You are God's gift to the world. If you're watching with someone today, I want you to turn to them and say, I'm God's gift to the world. If you're watching solo, tell yourself, hey, I'm God's gift to the world. God has blessed you with gifts and abilities and time and experiences and yes, even hard knocks, financial resources, wisdom, spiritual grace. It's not for you. You're not God's gift to the world for your glory. You are God's gift to the world to bless others and to bring glory and honor to God. It doesn't make us arrogant. Oh my goodness, it humbles us to realize that we would be a channel of the blessings of God in this world. God has given you blessings, gifts, abilities, and God wants to invest them boldly in his work. Life principle number two. God gives different gifts and abilities with a common expectation. Don't miss that last part. We'll talk about it in a second. The employees were given bags of gold, but this parable is about far more than money. It is about your entire life and your call to invest deeply and boldly in God's work in the world. Some of the gifts that we have been given as a disciple of Jesus are the same in nature as any other disciple. I call these spiritual graces. We have been given mercy. So we are expected to release mercy in the world. We have been lavished. First John says that, that look at this. God loves us so much as his children. God has lavished his love on us. We have been lavished with love from God. Therefore, we are to release love in the world. We have been given forgiveness. Therefore, we're expected to forgive others. We have been given this incredible gift of salvation. Therefore, we are supposed to share the salvation gift of God with others. Then there are gifts that we have been given that are different than others. Some differ in kind and some differ in amounts. In this parable, an employee received one bag of gold, another received two, and yet another received five. Now I wonder what the guy who received one or the guy who received two thought about the person who received five. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever wondered about that? Mm-hmm. You know, we can all point to someone who has greater abilities than we do. Warren Buffett is in the top 10 of the wealthiest people in the world. He's considered one of the greatest stock investors of all time. We can all point to a Warren Buffett in our field. There's a Warren Buffett of engineers, a Warren Buffett of teachers, a Warren Buffett of, yes, preachers. I've seen grocery stores that have actually had competitions to basically see who was the Warren Buffett of being a cashier or customer service or stock clerk. You can always find someone 
who just seems to have more talent and abilities than you do. Or at least I've always been able to find somebody who has a lot more talent than I do. Most of us can identify with the two bags or one bag of gold. But here's the deal. And this is what we can't overlook in this story. While we all may have different levels of abilities, gifts, you name it, we all have the same expectation to invest that which we have been given boldly. The two faithful employees invested all they had been given, and the return was the same. The return was the same. It was 100%, which means they were equally effective in the eyes of the CEO. They had been given different amounts, right? But they were equally effective. I love that. When I used to coach Little League, there was always a parent or two and a player or two who thought their kid was Juan Soto or Max Scherzer, and they had an exaggerated sense of abilities. If their kid wasn't playing pitcher or, or catcher or batting cleanup, then it was like the kid didn't want to play at all. It was a waste of the kid's time. But then there are always kids who, you know, couldn't catch a cold in the outfield. They couldn't hit the broad side of a barn with a baseball or trying to hit it. But they loved playing, and they hustled, and they actually got better as the season wore on. And I was their coach, and I'm not that good a coach. I loved coaching that kind of kid, putting all they have to work and watching it grow. Some gifts differ in amount. Others differ in kind. God gives us different talents and abilities and opportunities and experience to put to work in His kingdom. We, all, we have different, all kinds of different ministry opportunities here at OTCC, especially this year as we begin to regather in person and start to come back on this campus. We don't know when that's going to be, but there's all sorts of ministry opportunities for you. We, have, we will need musicians who have musical gifts. We need counters who are detailed in nature. You know, the last thing you want is, is a counter who's not very detailed, right? People with mercy gifts to show compassion to people in need. Table group leaders with hospitality gifts. Greeters who are welcoming in personality. The last thing you, you want is a, a grumpy greeter. You know, we can let grumpy greeters maybe join the counters. The counters will receive them and, and help them as long as they're, they're detailed. I'm not saying the, the counters are grumpy at all. You don't hear that, right? No. But the counters, they have that kind of generous spirit of personality. I'm, sort of, I'm really joking there. Our building could always use some handiwork. We could always use volunteers to, to hammer a nail, to turn a screw, to paint a wall, to clean out a storage room. If we're going to fulfill our vision of letting other groups use our facility, we've got a lot of storage rooms that need to be cleaned out. We always need teachers who have teaching gifts. Here's the deal. As 2021 unfolds, there are going to be countless roles that are critical to the ministry here at OTCC. You're going to have multiple opportunities to get involved and to invest your skills and your time and your ability, but you should not sign up for everything. 
Let me say that again. You should not sign up for everything. You aren't gifted at all of them. I'm not. Heaven knows we don't want me trying to repair something. If I try to repair something, I create work for the professional contractors in the area. I make more work, not less. Or, or Pastor Brian here. Pastor Brian is an amazing and gifted teacher. Ask anyone on the 930 Bible study class, and they will tell you that Pastor Brian is far beyond his years in biblical perspective and perception and wisdom. And he is incredible in the way that he draws students in. The way he draws people in, he, he tends to their heart as he also helps them learn. And he includes everybody. He's just incredible at that. And he does all this while he manages Zoom. I mean, it's just amazing. That is a five bags of gold teacher sitting right over there. I don't know if the camera can see him or not. Can the, can the camera see him, Alan? Yeah? All right, good. There he is right there. And everybody on Bible study class will tell you that. But we should not let Pastor Brian lead the music. Right? Amen. We should not. Pastor Brian has a unique voice. I heard him singing one day in the office, and honestly, for a while, I thought, I thought there was a problem with the air handler in the HVAC system. And don't get me wrong, I think people should make a joyful noise. I really do. But some people aren't meant to do that with a microphone. Some people are meant to do that in a large congregation, and that's where Pastor Brian is meant to make a joyful noise. He's a good sport, too. He gave me permission to actually make that analogy. But you see what I'm saying? We've all been different, been given different gifts. They're all important and needed. You sing the song that God has given you. You hammer the nail that God has given you. You invest the gift that God has given you. And you watch God bring the increase. See, all you're responsible for is investing what God has given you boldly into his work. God will take care of the increase. Remember what Paul said in, in his letter to the Corinthians? You know, I, 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 uh, Apollos planted the seed, I watered, or, or, one of the, or vice versa, but it's God that makes it grow. God brings the increase. God is the giver of our gifts, and God gives to each of us different gifts. And life investment principle number three is God rewards bold investment in his work with joy and more responsibility. The CEO returned and it came time to settle up and review the investments of the employees. It was time to settle accounts. Now, I've told you all before, my first real job was at McDonald's. Uh, I, I actually picked peaches and picked tobacco before I was old enough to work at McDonald's. But my first real job at a company was with McDonald's. And I started out cleaning the lobby and then they moved me over to the fry machine and then one day they said, hey, we're going to train you on the cashier. I liked working the cashier. It was better than cleaning the lobby for me and it was uh, cooler than the fry machine. That thing was hot. But you know what? Every time I ended a shift, the manager would come and take the cash drawer and count it out and made sure that the money in that cash drawer matched the money on the receipts. They had to match up. It was time to settle accounts. We're all going to reach the end of our shift 
one day. And we're going to have to give an account to our faithfulness before God. God is going to hold us accountable for how we invested His hand on our life. The blessings, the opportunities, the gifts, the resources He has given us. He's going to hold us account for how we invested them, invested them in His work in the world. Now to be sure, Christ has already settled the sin debt that we have. If we've trusted Christ, if we've taken Christ in the center of our being, that sin debt has been paid once and for all. And we still have to give an account of how we lived before God. Let's remember, one of the criteria for God's pleasure over us, again, is not amount, it's faithfulness to trust God and to release your gifts for Him to use to bless the world. God will reward us for investing boldly in His work. And what's that reward again? Verse 21 and 23 says, it is His joy over us. It says exactly, come and share in your Master's happiness. Come and share in your Master's happiness. Don't rush by that. That might be one of the most profound invitations in all of Scripture. Come and share in the happiness of God. You know, one of uh, the truths that guide me in my spiritual journey is that I want my heart to break for that which breaks the heart of God. I want to be bothered in this world by that which bothers the heart of God. I don't always do this. I'm not always successful at this. I fail sometimes. Sometimes I get caught up in my own stuff and I forget to see and to, to, to focus on the struggles of others in this world. But that, that's my guiding, one of my guiding goals. It's what I, I want to be said about me is that my heart broke about what breaks the heart of God. But this is the other side of the coin, isn't it? And it's equally important in our spiritual journey that we would take joy and that we would be happy about that which makes God happy. That we would share in God's happiness in the world. Have you ever been hanging out with somebody and all of a sudden something happened and uh, they just started laughing really hard? for that belly kind of laugh, and then everybody else started laughing really hard, and you couldn't stop. It happened in our family not long ago. And, and, and after a while, you're not even sure why you're laughing, but you're just laughing really hard. You're sharing in the joy and the happiness of another. Oh, my goodness. You know, we live in a world where people have a deficit of joy. And here, right here, in the pages of Scripture, we're given this opportunity to see a way to joy. And that is when we take that which we've been given by God and we hold it with an open hand, believing that we cannot outgive God. And as we invest that which we have been given into the work of God in the world, oh my goodness, we get to share in His happiness. Man, 
There's no greater reward than that. He also says, another part of the reward is more work to do, more responsibility. As we're faithful with a few things, God gives us greater responsibilities, which then, see how it goes round and round and round? Greater responsibilities, greater joy. More joy. Don't fall into the trap of the world's economy with that. It doesn't mean if you're faithful with $10, you'll be given 100 It simply means when you're faithful to, with that which God has given you, God will give you more responsibility. Life investment principle number four. If you try to preserve your life, you will lose it. There's always a cautionary lesson, isn't there? This text is in a section of Matthew which is laying out a contrast between the faithful disciples of Jesus and the religious leaders Jesus encountered. So in this parable, the religious leaders that Jesus encountered, they're the unfaithful servant. They had, in a sense, built a wall or a fence around the Word of God and not allowed it to go out into the world, at least from their heart's perspective, which is like burying the treasure rather than investing it into the lives of others. Note, the unfaithful employee in this parable blamed the CEO as his reason for not investing. In order to invest our lives boldly into God's work in the world, we have to have an accurate view of God. If you believe God is harsh and stingy, unloving, it will keep you from investing in His work. It's the result of this principle. The person who withholds their life from God will lose their life for all eternity. I mean, think about it. If you don't want God on earth, if you don't want the will of God on earth, why in the world would you want God and the will of God and the reign of God and the rule of God and the joy of God for all eternity? It's like C.S. Lewis said, you know, there are only really two kind of people in this world. There are people who look up to God and say, God, thy will be done. And there are people that God looks at on the day of judgment and says, thy will be done. So what is that area of life that you brought to mind earlier? That area in which you feel God calling, nudging, maybe even flat out pushing. Maybe God has grabbed your attention in this teaching time today. What is that area that God wants you to be bold in? That God wants you to step out and invest in His work? Your time, your abilities, your financial resources, your very life, which is all of our call as a disciple. Let me invite you this morning before we close. Just open your hand. And imagine all the good gifts that God has given you in your hand. Make the commitment to release those gifts into His hands 
Trust Him. Trust Him to do that which He wants and that which He wills through the gifts that you invest in His work. The three little words. The employee who received five bags of gold, verse 16, says this employee went at once. He went at once and invested boldly in the work. Make the commitment today. Today. At once. Now. To invest in the work of God in the world. Let's pray together. Oh God, we do as your people, we recognize that any good gift that we have comes from you. And as we release it, oh God, we simply give it back to you. And God, the beautiful truth of Scripture is that as we live open-handed to You, we know that we can't out-bless and out-give You. We know that as we invest in Your work in the world, Lord, that You just continue to grow us. You continue to allow us to share in Your happiness and in Your joy. Lord, in such a joy-depleted world, I just ask You humbly to make that promise become real to each and every person today. That as we continue to follow You, that we get to share in Your happiness. Lord, I pray for, for those today who may have held back their very lives from You. Because Lord, we, we hear the call of, of this story to invest all of who we are. And so Lord, I pray for those who are holding on to their lives. Lord, those who, are, who just have not been able to release themselves into Your hands. Lord, give them what they need. Give them the grace Lord, to cross over the line of faith and to trust You. Thank You, God, for being a trustworthy God. Thank You, God, for being the God of the increase, the God of the investment, the God that makes things grow. In Jesus' name, Amen.